Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Could it be that this pandemic is coming because we are going through curses or we are under the judgment of God for our sins? It is common that questions like these will come to each one of us when we are going through trials and temptations. And during this time, we look for ways in which we can try to find God's will concerning uh, the situation we are going through. Maybe you are listening to preachers on radio or on TV or you are on social media and uh, you are least trying to find out what is God's will really concerning this COVID-19 pandemic and how can we get rid of it? And there is no doubt that as you've been searching for answers, one of the verses that you've probably come across is Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. This is a very famous verse that has been paraded by believers from different generations and it has been used in different contexts for different reasons for quite some time. Most likely you have had people who have used this passage uh, talking about national revivals. People who have called out this verse and said, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and uh, pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. And you have had pastors call out to their congregations to come and repent, to go into a period of prayer and fasting, and believed that when such things happen, then God is going to heal the land, God is going to bring forgiveness of sin, and revival will break forth. Most likely you have had that version. It is also possible that during such a coronavirus pandemic that you've had people say that this pandemic has come because of God's judgment, that our countries have sinned against God, and God out of anger has unleashed this judgment of pandemics upon the nation. Recently, we had that kind of belief, especially when Uganda and East Africa at large were going through a locust attack. And people were using verses in the Old Testament, including this particular passage, to say, you see, locusts and pandemics are usually a sign of God's anger and judgment. And therefore, what is the solution? If we pray, if we rally the nation and pray, God will hear from heaven and will forgive our sins and heal our land. In fact, not so long ago, we've been having national prayers that have been held at a state house here in Uganda where interfaith religious groups like uh, Anglicans, Roman Catholics, Orthodox, Seventh-day Adventists, and Muslims have been gathering together at the invitation of the president and his family to pray for the nation. And what is the underlying assumption? That because of the locusts, COVID-19, and several other challenges the nation is going through, God must be angry. And if God's people will gather and pray, if God's people will seek God's face, that God indeed will heal our land and God will forgive our sins. Now, as we think about this passage, it is important that we ask ourselves, is Chronicles 7.14 really about us? Is it really true that if nations claim this verse and they pray as we find uh, in this verse, 
that indeed God will heal our countries from pandemics, from plagues, from sicknesses and all sorts of natural disasters that are plaguing the world today. And as we think about this verse, we will not only find out what it means, but we will also find out that often this is one of the most misunderstood, most misinterpreted Bible passages, in fact, most misapplied Bible passages by believers across generations. As we look at Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, one of the things that I hope will come out very clearly is that this verse has often been misunderstood. That so many things that people today think it means are actually not what the passage is about. And when understood rightly in its context, we will realize that it almost has nothing to do with the different applications that the church has given it today. The goal is not so much to disprove the interpretations and applications of today's church, but even more importantly to understand the verse in its context so that it can be used rightly for God's right purposes to the blessing of God's people in our time. We probably would want to read it so that we can try to see the context in which the verse itself is set. So let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 7. Uh, we will read from verses 1 up to around verses 14. This is what it says. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord, and King Solomon offered the sacrifice of 22,000 head of cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. So the king and all the people dedicated the temple of God. The priests took their positions as did the Levites with the Lord's musical instruments, which King David had made for praising the Lord, which were and which were used when he gave thanks, saying, His love endures forever. Opposite the Levites, the priests blew their trumpets and all the Israelites were standing. Solomon consecrated the middle part of the courtyard in front of the temple of the Lord, and there he offered burnt offerings, and the fat of the fellowship offerings, because the bronze altar he had made could not hold the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat portions. So Solomon observed the festival at that time for seven days, and all Israel with him. A vast assembly, people from Lebohamath, to the wadi of Egypt. On the eighth day, they held an assembly, for they had celebrated the dedication of the altar for seven days and the festival for seven days more. On the twenty-third day of the seventh month, he sent the people to their homes, joyful and glad in heart for the good things the Lord had done for David and Solomon and for his people Israel. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own place, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, 
or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Verse 15, Now my eyes will be open, and my ears attentive to their prayers offered in this place. And verse 16, I have chosen and consecrated this temple, so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there. So, that is Second Chronicles from verses 1 to verses 16. And as we consider what it might mean, especially for people believing today, one of the things that jump out at us that we must consider is that this Second Chronicles book is part of what we call the Old Testament historical narratives, that it describes the history of God's covenant people and what God is doing among them. And if you look at the passage very keenly, you will notice that it is describing the dedication of the temple, a temple that was supposed to be built by King Solomon, and indeed he had done his duty. Originally, King David had wanted to build it, but God did not allow him. Instead, the privilege was given to his son, King Solomon, to do so. Verses 14 of chapter 7 of Second Chronicles comes in after the dedication of the temple. Solomon and the people have gathered before the finished temple, have given thanks and sacrifices, have dedicated it before the Lord. And as we see in chapter 6, Solomon begins to pray on, on, and ask God to intervene in the lives of his people. He describes the different scenarios, the different judgments that can come upon God's people when they have sinned. And he asks that when people have sinned, and God has sent his judgments and wrath upon them. Should these people come before the temple that Solomon has dedicated and pray, Solomon asks that the Lord would relent, the Lord would forgive them, the Lord would restore them. As you listen to that kind of prayer, immediately what comes in mind is that Solomon is actually praying in light of God's covenant blessings. If you remember what God had spoken to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 28 all the way to 32, we find a description of the covenant blessings and curses. And these blessings and curses are established on the covenant that God had made with his people, that they would be his people and he would be their God. That if they would walk humbly before him and desist from idolatry and serving the gods of other nations, that God would release covenant blessings upon them. In the same spirit, God would release covenant curses upon them if they did not walk right with him, if they served the gods of the other nations, if they indulged in the idolatry that surrounded them, then the curses of the covenant would be applicable to them. As Solomon makes this prayer after the dedication of the temple, he is remembering God's covenant. He is remembering that blessings and curses are contingent upon this covenant and that God's people will be blessed or God's people will be cursed depending on how they walk in obedience to this covenant. So, judging from that background, we can make a few conclusions. Number one, that Second Chronicles chapter 7 is certainly about God's people and God's covenant. 
And by God's people, we mean the nation of Israel, the people that he had made a covenant with. We can immediately see that in chapter 7, what we find especially in verse 14 is God's response to Solomon's prayer in chapter 6. That when it begins, it begins by saying, I have heard your prayer. Whose prayer? The prayer of believers today? The prayer of Christians in Uganda? No, certainly. The prayer that Solomon had made in Second Chronicles chapter 6. So first and foremost, we need to understand this passage as primarily related to the dedication of the temple, number one. Number two, primarily as a response to Solomon's prayer and plea before God. So whatever answers or whatever response God is going to give, they primarily are applicable to Solomon and his people. When we read of phrases like, if my people who are called by my name, primarily those words are meant to be understood as being as referring to Israel as a nation, as referring to God's covenant people that are actually have been gathering with Solomon at the dedication of this temple. When believers today come across such verses and they immediately apply it to themselves, they miss the context in which the passage is set, they miss the purpose for which the passage was actually written, and they are likely to draw application and principles that are not relevant in terms of today's application. And what we are seeing today, Christians applying this verse to themselves to mean that God has promised revival for the nations, or Christians using this verse during this time of the COVID-19 pandemic to mean that this is God's judgment and it can be prayed away by claiming Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Clearly, this is a misinterpretation of the passage. It is a misapplication of the passage and it can only result into discouragement, into depression by believers who claim it and they do not see it coming to pass because they are trying to apply a right passage in a wrong context. Very, very important for us to understand. We are saying that Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 was not written to us as believers living today. The circumstances being addressed in Second Chronicles chapter 7 have nothing to do with the COVID-19 pandemic that we are dealing with today. And even if they were, assuming that COVID-19 was actually God's judgment upon us, it would not be judgment because we broke the covenant promises, since the covenant promises were given to the nation of Israel and not to individual Christians that are living today. As we all know, this pandemic is not just affecting Uganda. It is not just affecting selected countries in Africa. It is a global pandemic affecting everyone. Now, somebody might come up and say, yeah, that means God is bringing judgment upon the whole world. But should we conclude then that this is the only judgment God is bringing upon the world? Do we realize that there are several other ways and several times in which God has brought his judgments and not necessarily through the COVID-19 pandemic? So to limit God's judgment or ability to judge sinners by using COVID-19 pandemic is to underestimate God's authority and sovereignty 
but even more importantly is to misinterpret the current pandemic and to try to squeeze it in scriptural passages where it does not belong. These plagues and pandemics that we find in in 2nd Chronicles chapter 6 as described by Solomon were part of the covenant curses and uh, that that had been decreed in the event that God's people walked away from God's covenant. There is no guarantee that these promises apply to every believer living at any time or any age. There is no guarantee that just as these pandemics and plagues would have affected the nation of Israel, that in the same spirit they must affect every country and nation today, especially remembering that while in the Old Testament, God was dealing with the nation of Israel as a whole, as a covenant people, God is not necessarily dealing with the political nations today. So in other words, there is no specific plan that God is trying to accomplish for Uganda specifically. There are no particular scriptures in the Bible that are applicable to the United States of America or or to England as a whole. No, 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 no. What we see in the Old Testament is a covenant relationship between God and the nation of Israel. But when we come to the New Testament, we see God dealing in covenant with the church. New Testament believers, as they have found their salvation in Christ Jesus, now through the body, which is the church, God working in and through God's people. And in the context of the church, we do not see any warnings of pandemics or plagues or calamities that necessarily will befall believers or will befall specific political nations simply because the church has sinned. Now, of course, this is not uh, an encouragement for the church to sin or to go against God's will, but still, in the event that the church has sinned, God will not judge political nations simply because there are people in the church that are not living right. So people who are claiming this Bible passage to apply to today's nations are misinterpreting scripture. People who are claiming this Bible passage to show that COVID-19 is judgment against all nations of the world are misinterpreting and misapplying this particular passage. And certainly our response to this pandemic using the same passage is misplaced and misinterpreted. And therefore, we must go back to the drawing board and rethink. Certainly, there are many passages we could use in the Bible to pray for the revival of nations. There are so many passages that we could draw upon in times of pandemics like COVID-19. But what we are saying is that 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 was not designed for this. And when we use it, we are using it out of context. We are using it in disregard of the entire meaning of the text. We are using it by disregarding God's purpose for the covenant he made with the nation of Israel. And we must be very careful because God's word only yields results, only has power when it is used in the context in which it was made. If God made a promise to Israel and you claim it when that promise is not meant for you, The promise will not come to pass simply because you claimed it. It can only come to pass if it is in conformity with God's purpose and will for a particular context and for a particular time. And as we look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14, we can tell that this promise is context specific. It is addressed to Solomon. 
It is addressed to Israel as God's covenant people. It is addressed in light of the covenant that God had already made with his people in Deuteronomy. And in light of Deuteronomy's promises and warnings, this prayer comes to fruition. This prayer becomes relevant for King Solomon and his people. And this prayer is only applicable within their context. Now, does that mean that we should not pray and seek God's face? Does that mean that when we have sinned, we should not turn away from our wicked ways? Does that mean when, that when plagues and challenges like COVID-19 come, that we should disregard them as believers and not do anything about it? Of course not. As Christians, we are called to humble ourselves and pray. We are to pray for our nation. We are to pray for our leadership. We are to pray on behalf of those who continue to live wickedly. We are to pray against problems and challenges that come our way, like COVID-19, remembering that God is powerful enough even to heal us and even to take away this pestilence. So we are not saying that believers should not pray, for instance, that God should take away COVID-19. What we are saying is that Christians cannot legitimately claim Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 as a blanket immunity against COVID-19. That Christians cannot use this Bible passage to come to the conclusion that COVID-19 is judgment from God. There is no ample evidence in this specific passage to support that COVID-19 is judgment from God. For all we know, it could just be any natural disaster or catastrophe like we see today's storms and hurricanes and floods. They might just be natural phenomena that is characteristic of a sinful and fallen world like ours. As believers, we must be very careful not to quickly conclude that anything bad that comes in our lives is judgment from God. And we must not be quick to jump at some Bible passages that, 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 that we pull out as immediate or quick solutions to what we assume to be judgments of God. While God certainly does judge sin, while God calls believers to repent of their wicked ways and turn to him, Second Chronicles 17.14 is not a passage you can apply across all time periods for situations like COVID-19 and therefore conclude that because we have claimed the promise, then COVID-19 must go or must stop. To do that is to live in wishful fantasy, to hurt yourself, and of course to do a disservice to the evidence and testimony of scripture, which is God's inspired word. So how do we understand this and how do we move on from here? Are there any timeless principles that we can pick from Second Chronicles 7.14, even though we are well aware that it is not directly applied to us and was not meant to be applied to everybody living at any time in the history of the world? How do we draw lessons from Second Chronicles 7.14 without directly applying it to the church today or to the individual lives of believers today? Well, there are a number of lessons we can learn from here. One of the things we learn is that Second Chronicles 7.14 introduces us to a God of mercy, a God of second chances. That just as Solomon calls out to God, asking that God would relent 
uh, in his judgment and instead exercise mercy to forgive his people when they repent, we learn that the same God who was faithful and who was merciful to give a second chance to Israel is still able to do so to people of all times. And as believers, we come to God relating to him as a God of mercy, a God who gives us what we do not deserve, a God who gives us second chances, even though he has all the liberty to destroy all sinners, a God, in fact, who has climactically demonstrated his mercy and grace in Christ Jesus, when through Jesus he gave us a second chance at eternal life. When through Jesus, we who were recipients of death have now become beneficiaries of eternal life. As we look at 2 Chronicles 7.14, we recognize that there is room for forgiveness of sin. That Solomon is saying that when God's people have sinned, as they always do indeed because they are sinners, that they can always come to God and they will be sure that they will find God's mercy and grace. We learn that as believers, we cannot afford to live careless lives and, and, or, or even sinful and wicked lives. That we are called to live holy lives. That we are called to be people who pray. That we are called to be people who desire, who hunger and seek after God. And that we have the wonderful promise of God's restoration. That we know that when we come before God in brokenness, not only will he forgive us, but he will heal us from our spiritual sicknesses, from our spiritual bondages, and deliver us from the shackles of Satan and sin, and make us holy and set apart, ready for glory in heaven. We are also reminded that as we are believers, looking at Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, that the camera is focused not so much on God taking away the plagues and the pandemics from our broken and sinful world, but on the character of God which is restorative. Solomon approaches God with confidence that God indeed has the power and is willing to restore his people, and therefore he prays that God may do so. When people have sinned and have realized their error and have turned away, and have sought God's forgiveness and healing, Solomon says, oh God, would you please do that? The reason Solomon calls out to God to do this is because he recognizes that God is able. He recognizes that God is willing to forgive them. He recognizes that God can actually forgive them and restore them. And that's why he cries out to God, because he believes in God's ability to do so. As believers, we must be reminded that the same God has not changed, that he is sovereign, that he is merciful, that he is gracious. And when we come to him in a broken spirit and with a contrite heart, that God will not despise us, but will receive us, will forgive us, and will restore us. This passage reminds us of the God of grace, the God before whom we can come, and we are reminded that it is not all over. This passage calls believers that continue to seek after God and to pray, remembering that he is faithful and he is able to deliver us from whatever we are going through. This passage is a call to humility. It is a call to more yearning after God. It is a call to holiness where believers are called to turn away from their wicked ways. We can learn how to live holy lives. We can learn how to depend on God during periods of crisis. We can learn from the situation that God's people Israel went through so that we do not live like them. There is so much certainty that Second Chronicles can teach us. 
but it cannot be used as a blanket statement to, to stop COVID-19. And it cannot be used as an explanation for COVID-19 that this is necessarily God's judgment upon the world. Yet from it we can draw wonderful biblical lessons that can build us as believers and establish us in our most holy faith. The God's word still has power and Second Chronicles 7.14 is part of that inspired word of God. But it must be understood in its context for it to become a blessing for us today. May God bless you so much as you think about it. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.